Thanks for listening to the Mornings with Carmen LaBerge podcast, made available thanks to support from listeners just like you. Encouraging you to live as an ambassador of God's kingdom in the world. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. If we're gonna fly, we fly like eagles. Good morning, good morning. It is Friday, the 23rd of June. I almost said February. Who knows why? Okay, it's the 23rd of June. I'm Carmen LaBerge, and it just occurred to me that it's Friday, and so we must have a farm report. And so let's just dispense with that right now. So on the Friday farm report, wow, there is a lot going on. We have um, four little calves, and um, two of them have not been particularly thriving, so that has been a subject of concern and conversation and intervention this past week. So um, two are doing great, Jeffrey and um, the one I call Slick, because it wasn't his his first name, but his tongue is always out and he's always licking something or someone. And so I've now just decided to call him Slick because he's Slick the Lick. Um, but the other two, um, Weasley and and then the other black one that I don't really think has a name that has settled in on him yet. Um, they're not doing too good. They're looking, they're just not looking so great. And so oh, that's going on. The chickens are great. Um, you know, faithfully laying eggs. Uh, the garden is growing. I love that. I love this time of year. I love grabbing, um, you know, fresh cucumbers out of the garden and making a cucumber salad for dinner. It's really fun. One of my like favorite parts of living on a farm. Um, our apple trees are heavy with fruit, which means we really, really, really need our dogs to be on the job in the orchard. And let me just say, they're not really on the job. I mean, they're cute and they're, I love them, but come on, man, we hired you to do a job. You are a working dog. And this is the season during which you're supposed to work in order that you can like lounge around on the porch the rest of the year. So, um, yeah, so that's going on. It's clear that um, little Minnie, Cinnamini, my brand new little rat terrier who I picked up on Memorial Day and was like no bigger than my tennis shoe. Um, she's going to be a great orchard dog. But she's so little that we can't put her out there yet or the hawks or the owls will carry her off. Uh, and so there you go. That This is what is happening on the farm. And let me see. Anything else today? I mean, it's rained a lot, so we have to mow a lot. But that's not a bad thing. I will spend part of my weekend bush hogging. Uh, one of my favorite summer activities. And so if you're wondering, what's Carmen doing over the weekend? Yeah, she is going to be on her big John Deere driving around in circles, happy as a lark, because it will be so loud, uh, I can do nothing else. And so it's like therapy. There you go. It's like therapy. It's like sitting on the edge of an ocean with the rhythm, with the rhythm of the waves. That's what's happening here. All right. Uh, let's see. Um, the president rolled out the red carpet. Um, this is my segue into our conversation with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family. I tried to come up with things to say that would sound like the entertainment industry. So rolling out the red carpet at the White House, you'll want to be paying attention to the visit of Indian Prime Minister Modi. Um, lots of human rights violations to raise as concerns, particularly 
um, religious liberty concerns. Um, we don't know that those were raised or are being raised during this state visit, but those are the things that should be raised. Um, a storyline that you thought could only come out of a sci-fi film. Apparently, that lab-grown meat, the USDA and the FDA have both given approval for the sale of lab-grown cultivated meat to be sold in the United States. And let me just say, that's not meat. I don't I don't have any other commentary on, on that, but that's not meat. It's a little bit like calling things that aren't milk, milk. Um, there you go. Um, and then I was going to use as my segue into conversation with Adam, this story out of China where they're literally preparing a dish of stones. So you go and you just imagine going to the river and collecting, you know, Small stones, not not like pebbles that people would like swallow, but a stone that's big enough that you would know it was in your mouth and you would know it was a stone. And then heavily seizing it, seasoning it, sauteing it, da da da, and then serving it. And the and the idea here is that you just put it in your mouth and you suck on the stone to get out the flavor, and then obviously you don't swallow the stone. But I say to myself, what could go wrong with this plan? What could go wrong with this plan? But instead of that being the segue into the conversation with Adam Holtz. Here is my segue. Adam talked to Jesus. Adam talked to Jesus, and it's going to be in an upcoming podcast, and we want to know about it. So that's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Our friend Adam Holtz is here from Focus on the Families Plugged In, and... He's been talking to Jesus, and that podcast is going to air apparently next week, and I need to know about it now. I, I can't wait. Yeah, he, it was actually fairly difficult to get Jesus on our podcast, but we pulled it off. Um, and I actually told Paul during the break, I've talked to both of the Jesuses in the last year. So, you know, um, really? I had a chance to talk to Jonathan Rumi of The Chosen uh, when I was out in California, uh, although... I was out there to talk about Jesus Revolution, not the Chosen. Uh, and um, last week, I had a chance to talk to Jim Caviezel, who, of course, played Jesus, portrayed Jesus. Played doesn't feel like a strong enough word in the Passion of the Christ back in two thousand four. So here's the story: Jim Caviezel is in a new movie coming out. It's um, it will be released in theaters July 4th, and it is called, what is it called? The Sound of Freedom. Had a little brain glitch right there. Uh, and it is the story of Tim Ballard. Tim Ballard was a Department of Homeland Security guy who would go after pedophiles who were involved in child trafficking on this side of the border. And he sort of has this moment of clarity where he realizes that even though, you know, putting pedophiles in jail helps to solve the problem there are still kids that are you know stuck in it and um, he rescues one little boy and then learns about the boy's sister and mm. uh, the, the the two children were invited to participate in like a, a talent search thing as a pretext for kidnapping them uh, they have a single father the mom is not in the picture and that's never explained and the father you know thinks that this is some sort of talent thing and drops them off and and they're mm. gone and mm. the boy ends up in america they're um they're in guatemala uh but the girl ends up in the jungle of colombia in an area where nobody goes and so the interesting thing is we see jim caviezel's character um he does three different impersonations he tricks one guy into thinking he's an actual pedophile 
and then they set up a fake sort of um, sex island, a la Warren Epstein. Uh, is it Warren Epstein? What's his? You know, the guy who's been in the news mm. a lot. Um, yes. Actually, I think I think Warren is a film reviewer, so my bad on that. Um, and then he uh, pretends to be a medical guy doing vaccines, so he can go into the jungle to rescue this little girl. This is kind of an incredible movie, and like The Passion, like Saving Private Ryan, like Schindler's List, it is achingly difficult to watch. And mm. it's not squeaky clean. There's quite a bit of profanity. But I had the chance to talk to Jim Caviezel, and I was absolutely blown away, Carmen. He spoke with the passion and the intensity of an Old Testament prophet he was talking about the sheep and the goats. He was talking about comfortable Christians being surprised when they get to the day of judgment and God is not pleased with their complacency. And he said, we have to talk about this issue, even though it's incredibly uncomfortable. Um, I was I was moved, Carmen. And, and I, uh, this is going to sound like a humble brag. I've talked with, you know, a fair number of Hollywood types over the years and they're usually pleasant, um, sometimes not, but mostly, you know, they're promoting their stuff. But man, he was on fire. And and I would say if there's a way for you to go see this movie and be prepared to be moved by it, it comes out July 4th. Um, yeah, okay, so Sound of Freedom, you can actually watch an exclusive trailer. Um, Variety has uh, a piece posted on it as well. So if you're hunting around, that's what you're, that's what you're looking for. Jim Caviezel, Sound of Freedom. Adam, when we come back, will you read us in on a few other, um, uh, well, maybe, hmm, I don't know. Are we going to do reviews? So much to or talk gonna, about. Are we going to talk about people? Let's talk about people. All right. Cause, yeah, there's um, not much review-wise. Well, and so there's an actor named Neil McDonough that um, uh-huh. is going to portray Satan in an upcoming movie. And I'd like to talk about what he talked about in terms of his experience, not of playing Jesus, but of playing Satan. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen. As you know, this is a rebroadcast of the live radio show carried on the Faith Radio Network. There's a lot going on at Faith Radio. Tons of free resources just waiting for you and for you to share with others at MyFaithRadio.com. How does that all happen? Well, it happens through listener support. So Faith Radio, Mornings with Carmen, all available because of listener support from listeners, well, just like you. If you're a supporter, Thank you so very much. If you'd like to become a supporter today, just visit MyFaithRadio.com. And again, thanks for being a part of what we do every day at Mornings with Carmen. All right, we're talking with Adam Holtz from Focus on the Family's Plugged In. I know nothing about the movie The Shift, but apparently it is a (laughs) sci-fi action film. Um, yep. Again, from Angel Studios, and Neil McDonough plays the villain. Yes, he plays the villain. Am uh-huh. I right? And and the villain here yep. is like the villain. So it's maybe villain. Um, read us in on this. It is uh, he plays Satan, and and just by way of um, introduction, Neil McDonough is one of these guys that you may not recognize his name, but I mean he's been... oh you totally recognize his face. You would recognize his face because he has been making movies for 30 some years. I mean, he was, 
I was just looking at his filmography and TV list. I mean, he was in JAG, he was in The Client, he was in NYPD Blue. And you just go, you know, down the list. I'm like, oh, yeah, I kind of remember that. Oh, yeah. And then a lot of movies. I mean, a lot of movies, a lot of TV shows. So he's one of these journeyman guys, right? One of these actors that's just around. He's not somebody who's made two movies. He's probably made a hundred. So you would recognize him. Um, and he has, he was in the the recent Left Behind movie. And in the last few years, he has been more vocal about his faith and how that influences uh, the decisions that he is making. Um, and he was invited to play the devil in uh, in this new movie, The Shift, that is coming out I think a little bit later this year. I'm, I'm looking for the date. But he said, um, you know, at first, he didn't really want to do it. Um, but then he talks about some of the lessons he learned playing Satan. Um, and, and I thought, man, this was, it's a pretty interesting story. He says, when I get to play a character like this, that's the devil, I've got so much to learn about myself and how blessed I really am in my life. It's hard to explain what goes through your mind as a method actor when you play the devil. So I tried to make him as human as possible. Um, when I get to play characters like this, it just makes me delve into just how horrible life can be at times, but how amazing it, life can be when you have an, a company like Angel Studios or have an entertainment out there that actually has a place where you can talk about things and talk through these things and what you should do for kids or shouldn't do and where the goodness can lead you. So that's kind of a rambling quote, but um, I love the idea that that he is learning about himself and about spiritual realities, you know, playing the devil in this movie. And it comes out, it looks like in January of 2024. Yeah, so I know it's a it's it's one of those opportunities for us to talk about a fellow believer who is functioning in an environment that's often hostile to Christians, and yet he's doing so yeah. in a consistent, um, faithful manner over a long period of time. And so, if you're a young person and you are saying to yourself, "Hey, I wanna I wanna work in the industry. I wanna work in this particular industry, and I need role models. I'm just gonna lift this yeah. guy up." And I don't know anything yep. about his wife, but I got to think that, um, you know, as a couple in Hollywood, they're um, they're they're worthy of um, of knowing. And, you know, and just I think as Christians, you could just say, hey, I'm a Christian, too. Um, can I walk with you guys? Like, right. I think that people should be unafraid to just press in um, in these ways. This next person, I don't even know how to necessarily pronounce his name. <laughs> Nathaniel Buzolik. Buzolik. Uh-huh. Um, what what is going on here? Well, this is another character who um, he is currently playing a role on The Chosen. And he said something really interesting. And um, I'm trying to read it, but I actually have something in my eye. So why don't you oh, vamp I got for a minute? Because yeah. I'm crying because I have a piece so, of dust in my eye. <laughs> so he posted on his social media that the gospel is about inviting everybody, but it's not about including everybody. And that has gotten him into some trouble. He went on to say the gospel is only offensive to those who um, don't want to live under God's sovereignty. Many are called and few are chosen. And so yep. this young man um, frequently shares his Christian faith on social media. And I just think that sometimes, like, like we just need to highlight that. We need to amplify that. We need yep. to say that there are Christians in Hollywood, um, and they are making themselves known, and they are 
speaking in ways that honor God on social media? Well, let me say one other thing here. And I don't, I don't know much about this story, just what I'm seeing here. Um, I went back and looked at his filmography and he has been a part of some things that, that have a lot of problems. And so my first temptation is, you know, to throw him under the bus. I'm like, man, you're calling us out for our hypocrisy, but what about you? How could you possibly act in some of these shows? You know, the vampire Mm. diaries, pretty little Mm -hmm. liars, supernatural. These are all shows that have huge, huge problems. Um, and years ago I interviewed a Christian producer named Dean Batali, who was the executive producer, uh, for that 70s show, which was a terrible show. Mm -hmm. I mean, massive content issues, right? It was probably the most fascinating interview I have ever done because he was a Christian in Hollywood. He felt like God called him to be on the show. And he said in this interview that I did, and I don't even think it's on our website anymore. I I apologize. But um, he said he felt like God called him to make this show less bad than it would have been if he wasn't there. And I thought, wow, that is an interesting distillation of one's sense of calling. You know, we could have an incredible conversation about for Christians in the entertainment industry, does being salt and light mean maybe what you're making is less bad than it would have been than if you weren't there? And I think you could stand up and applaud or you could, you know, raise a legitimate question about, well, should you even be there in the first place? And I I don't think that there's a one necessarily right or wrong answer to that question. But I do think that if you're a believer, if you're a person of faith in Hollywood, there are very few things, if you're in the mainstream, that are going to be pure as the driven snow. And I can only imagine that making some of those decisions would be really difficult, right? And so we need to pray for Christians in Hollywood. I don't um, I don't really know what's up with Nathaniel. Uh, I love what he has to say. I can't help but have a few questions about some of the things he's been involved in. Um, but there's incredible tension there for artists in mainstream entertainment. Yeah, I have a friend who um, has a production company, and um, they're based in Miami. And over the course of time, because I think they're based in Miami and he's got 20 years of experience in the industry, when The Bachelor decided they wanted to basically set up permanent shop in the Bahamas and um, and film down there, um, you know, he, he won that production contract. And that's a big deal for, yeah. you know, and, and he would say, you know, of course they're doing things and portraying storylines and that I am absolutely not in favor <laughs> of as a Christian, but, yep. um, but it is less bad because we're involved. Right. And, yeah. and who knows in God's sovereign economy, and there's huge mystery there, but what the intersection of one believer in something oh, sure. that's otherwise tawdry, what's the domino effect? What's the butterfly effect of that moving forward? Mm-hmm. Because that's how influence works, right? We bump into the right person at the right time. And from our perspective as humans, it's random, right? But, you know, I ended up with a roommate in college who was not the one that I had put down on my form that I wanted to be with. And his witness to me was absolutely fundamental in me coming to Christ, you know? And Mm -hmm. so those relationship connections in, again, in God's sovereign providence, they're so huge. And for people who are trying to make their way as artists and creatives in Hollywood, I can only imagine that that is a place of incredible tension for them.
So um, were you the person that he put down on his because he was like targeting you for evangelism? No, no, they just screwed up. <laughs> I was supposed to be with my best friend from high school, no, University they of didn't Iowa. They screw up. This is God's Mess- providence. This is his right, sovereignty. Right, right. This is how it from, works. Yes, from a human yeah. perspective. <laughs> Hey, we love our time with you, Adam. Thank you so much. We look forward to um, your podcast next week, your conversation with Jim Caviezel at um, at PluggedIn.com. I want to also point people to Fostering a Screenless Summer, which is a blog post right now at PluggedIn.com and get get you over there checking things out. So if you're looking for great reviews of what's happening, not only on the big screen, but in other places throughout the culture, um, PluggedIn.com is uh, is where you want to find yourself. Adam, as always, thank you so much. Thank you, Carmen. We got to take a break for Breakpoint with John Stone Street. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. Okay, really, um, everyone listening right now serves as like a giant research firm. And, uh, and it, it really is a conversation. So thank you so much for those of you who have been sending in text messages with links to all kinds of really fascinating articles um, about um, uh, about Neil McDonough. And I want to lift up something that Cindy sent in, um, and it is this conversation about um, Neil McDonough's loyalty to his wife, the, um, the things that he is not willing to do on screen, um, coming right out and saying um, things like, um, hey, if I'm, uh, if I'm, if I'm on screen, Here's a quote. If I'm in bed with another woman on screen and I kiss another woman, guess what? I'm actually doing. I'm kissing another woman and I don't want my kids to see that. I don't want my family to see that. I really don't want God to see that. These lips are made for one woman. Um, So uh, he has lost jobs in the past, even in the midst of particular seasons, um, because he's refused to do things uh, that, uh, you know, that producers wanted him or directors wanted him to do. Um, and so I just want to be thankful for this brother in Christ and his beautiful family. Now that you guys have, you know, read me in more full, more fully on, um, on this individual. So let's be praying for Neil McDonough and his wife and his family and the witness that God has given him in Christ in Hollywood. That is really an extraordinary thing. Hunter, um, Bellis is going to join us next. We're going to talk about Amy Carmichael and you're going to say, I think I know that name. I think I know who Amy Carmichael is. Um, well, she's the brown-eyed girl who learned how to pray and led so many other people to Jesus. So Hunter Bellis joins us next. Do you know Amy Carmichael? Do you know her um, through the words of Elizabeth Elliot, A Chance to Die? Do you know her um, through her own books, If, or You Are My Hiding Place, Edges of His Ways, uh, Mimosa, Do you know Amy Carmichael? How would you go about introducing children in your life to this incredible missionary and and Christian woman who has gone before us? Hunter Bielus joins us um, with her new book, Amy Carmichael, The Brown-Eyed Girl Who Learned How to Pray. Hunter, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Thank you so much. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Do you have a favorite Amy Carmichael book or story? That's such a wonderful question. Honestly, I feel like whatever book I'm reading by her is my current favorite. And right now Mm. I'm reading Edges of His Ways. Have you heard of it? Mm. I have heard of it, but tell us about it. 
So it is a devotional collection of her reflections on scripture and things like that, what she would do in her morning devotion. And I love this book in particular because it belonged to my grandmother who had a really strong impact on my walk with the Lord. And so reading her notes in the margin has just been such an encouragement to me. I mean, it's the dual effect of my grandmother and Amy Carmichael at the same time. So it's my current favorite. Don't you love marginal notes? Like, Absolutely. I, I really want, like the one book I wish I had was my grandma Robina's Bible. Like, I wish yeah. I had that because I just feel like her marginal notes would be such a blessing. Now, is it a fairly family heirloom? Is it somewhere else in the family? Is that why you wish you had it? I don't know. I'm going to, now I'm going to ask around. <laughs> if I'm anybody, you, you know I'm what, if, if anybody in our family has it, I guess I hope it's my cousin Jennifer who serves full time on the mission field in Togo, West Africa. So I guess wow. if there's anybody out there who I hope has grandma's Bible, I guess I hope it's Jenny. Absolutely. She needs that encouragement. Yeah. So um, we are talking about women, a particular woman, and we are talking about the mission field. Um, for people who are completely unfamiliar with Amy Carmichael, um, tell us her story. Well, you know, she's best known for her work in southern India with children and women who had been rescued from temple slavery and Hindu temples. But it's so incredible, Carmen. I mean, she has a whole story even before that story that we're all so familiar with where she felt called to missions as a young woman. And then there was just a whole series of twists and turns that the Lord used to bring her to that place. And that's one of the really encouraging things I find about Amy is that she didn't set out to do what we know her for. Uh, the Lord really used this whole series of events to prepare her for what he had prepared for her for this particular work in Southern India. Um, well, I just want to say, one of the things I really like is that you just call her by her first name. Like, I, you, it, you have a familiarity with this character, and not just because you have written this beautiful children's book, Amy Carmichael, the brown-eyed girl who learned how to pray. But I feel like you have become familiar with her as a person. Oh, it's so true. And that's one of the wonderful things about reading Christian biography. You know, I spent eight years as a military spouse and we moved, I think, seven times in that time period. And I have such a strong desire to be uh, poured into by older women in the faith. And that is where I really just grew passionate about reading Christian biography, biographies like Amy Carmichael and her own written works, and really found that I could be discipled in a sense uh, by these older ladies, even though I didn't always have access to two older ladies in my own local church context because we were so uh, transient in that season as a family. So I've really learned to uh, just glean whatever it is that I can from the saints who have gone before us and to seek to humbly learn from their lives. And it's just been such an encouragement to me. That's so sweet. Um, we do have copies um, of the book to give away. So I want you to have the opportunity to tell people about this particular book because it is written for children. And yeah. um, and so let's talk about the approach. Let's talk about the intended audience so that, um, you know, so that the right people will know that they want this book. And if you are that person, you're going to text the word book to 877-933-2484. So Hunter, tell us a little bit about the brown-eyed girl who learned how to pray. Oh, it's so great. You know, I have 
daughters that are eight and six. I also have a son who's four and another son who's eight months. He's not quite in the target demographic, but <laughs> these biographies, they're part of a series called the Do Great Things for God series. And they're intended for children about ages four, honestly, to 11, if they read the, the book themselves. And Amy's story in particular is such an encouragement to kids just to trust the Lord with whatever he set before them and to really seek to serve him and follow him wherever it is that he leads. You know, it starts with this story about Amy wishing that her eyes were blue. And she Mm. knelt down at the foot of her bed and prayed and asked the Lord, would you please change my eyes from brown to blue? And we trace that story throughout her life because her ministry and life were so characterized by prayer. In fact, she had this little book called the Ask and Receive book in which she would record all of her prayer requests and God's answers. And the Lord used that just to encourage so many of us who read her works even today over a hundred years later, because we see how she cried out to the Lord in her time of need and how he answered. But one of the things that Amy learned specifically through this story about asking him for blue eyes is that God doesn't always answer our prayers the way we think he should. In fact, he sometimes says no to our requests. Um, But when she was an older woman ministering to young children and women in southern India, peering into their brown eyes, she realized God had answered her prayers exactly the way he ought to. And so it's a story that I think will be compelling for young readers who are you know, learning to pray and learning that God, his answers are sometimes different than what we expect, but they're always for our good and they're always best. I feel like you are um, inviting us to find women who have gone before us in the faith or are further along in their journey of faith than we are, um, that we might root and ground ourselves as women of faith today. Um, I appreciate the discipleship series that um, that you have worked through in your own um, in your own podcast. Uh, and for those of you guys that might be looking for that, journeywomanpodcast.com. You can also find Hunter at Hunter Belis, B-E-L-E-S-S dot com. Um, talk a little bit about discipleship and uh, w- particularly, I, I think, just speak directly to women of my age group. Like I'm 55. We need to be um, pouring into, not just by modeling in our own lives, that's really important, but also intentionally pouring into the lives of younger women, but it's intimidating and we're not sure we know how to do it. So can you just walk into that space for a moment? Mm, We need you. We need you. I'm 35 years old and I can say with confidence that I would not be where I am today spiritually if it weren't for older women in the faith. And I also have to say, and I say this humbly, that that doesn't mean every older woman who has had a strong impact on my life had the same degree of spiritual maturity or the same, you know, spiritual heritage that Amy Carmichael did. And Mm -hmm. what I mean by that is, you don't have to go overseas and do something crazy to be able to invest in the lives of younger women. In fact, I think Amy herself, if we asked her, how did you do it? How did you love so sacrificially, even to your dying day? How did you go to India at age 27 and never return home? You know, like, how did you do it? 
And I really think she would say, number one, by God's grace. But number two, I really think she would say that all I did was pray and read my Bible. Like all I did was just cling to the basic disciplines of our faith. And through those, the Lord continued to encourage me to walk in obedience. So I would just encourage older women, it doesn't have to be this huge, formulaic, intimidating thing. Just pray, read your Bible, and testify to God's grace in your life. Those are the things that are going to be such an encouragement. And do it with humility. I have an older friend who recently came over to my house. And she would admit that she has not spent time learning from the text as much as she wants to in her life. And um, in fact, she would even tell me, like, I learned from you in regard to how to study the text. And I say that with all humility. But when she sat at my table, she said that with so much humility that that in and of itself was instructive for me. I literally started crying when she was telling me that just because I'm like, I yearn to be the kind of woman who's in my 60s sitting at a kitchen table admitting, you know, that, man, I really need help. And this is that that degree of humility was so instructive. So just walk in humility and keep doing the things that Christians have done for centuries before us and just be faithful to testify to God's grace in your life and he'll use it any way he sees fit. We're going to continue our conversation with Hunter Belis here in just a moment. Amy Carmichael, The Brown-Eyed Girl Who Learned How to Pray, that's the book title. We're giving away copies today. It is a children's book, but it's a blessing to everybody. Uh, And, you know, if you're a child of God, you'll appreciate it as well. If you've ever, you know, wanted God to change something about you and then realize that Maybe God made you just that way because it was something he wanted to use um, in the world to bless others and to reveal himself to others. That's really Amy Carmichael's story. So this is a, a, a fantastic book. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. I'm Carmen LeBurge, and this is Faith Radio. When Jesus teaches us to pray that God would forgive us as we forgive others, what does he mean? What does our forgiveness look like? And how ready are we to forgive? Or how fast are we to forgive? How many times do we forgive the same person for the same offense against us? Living out the life of forgiveness can only be done if we stand as forgiven people before the cross and the empty tomb of Jesus. In Jesus Christ, you are forgiven. As far as the East is from the West, so far has God removed your transgressions from you. That's grace. That's great. And God intends that we would extend to others a measure of what we have received. So how has God forgiven you? How often? How many times for the same offense? Then who are you to hold someone else's sin against them when God in Christ doesn't hold our sins against us? Unforgiven and unforgiveness are literally no way to live. So join the forgiveness flow today. Ask God to forgive you and forgive others as you have been forgiven by grace. Praying together at MyFaithRadio.com. We're talking with Hunter Belis. You can find her at HunterBelis.com, B-E-L-E-S-S. Um, we are talking about her newest book, Amy Carmichael, The Brown-Eyed Girl Who Learned How to Pray. It's a part of a series um, of books about women of faith and uh, written for children. Um, and we are giving away copies today. You can text the word book to 877-933-2484. Um, let's talk about 
kids. Let's talk about the Bible and let's talk about how we can not just introduce it to them, but bring it to life for them. So I might be taking a step back here to read it. Mm-hmm. See it, uh, say read, it, sing hold it. Hold on, let me, let, me, let me see if I can remember. Is it read it, see it, say it, sing it? That's right. There you go. Yeah, that one. Can you talk a little bit about this like methodology of bringing the Bible to life in a child's life? Absolutely. You know, I think as those who have influence on younger people, whether we're parents or caregivers or even just teaching in a Sunday school class, I think the most important thing for us to remember as we are trying to help them understand the importance of the scriptures is for us to treasure it ourselves. That's really so simple, right? But for us to really treasure and love and delight in God's word the way that we ought to, because I believe so much is caught versus taught. But of course, we can teach them. And it's such a wonderful opportunity to get to welcome them into what we're learning. And so really to just come alongside them and to wonder at the word with them. It's just, it's one of the greatest joys that I have experienced as an adult to get to impart the things that I'm learning to younger kiddos. So we have this method, read it, see it, say it, sing it, that we really use to practice what I call the Deuteronomy 6 way. You know, those verses where the Lord is, uh, Moses is instructing the Israelites and he says, uh, the Lord your God is one. He said, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. And then he goes on to talk about really a method where he says, you know, you talk about it when you sit, when you rise, when you walk by the way. And I think that we can put that into practice today as we hide God's word and treasure it in our own hearts. Then we're able to just talk about it organically with the children that the Lord has given us um, to have an influence upon wherever it is that we go. And it just makes it this very organic part of the Christian life where we are constantly centering our lives around God and around His Word. So that's been my approach, and it's been such a gift to me, too, because let me tell you, Carmen, 7.35 a.m., I'm not always sitting with my Bible open with four kiddos (laughs) under the age of eight. And so it's given me the opportunity to continue, like, you know, investing in my own um, spiritual growth as I've realized, wow, I don't have to just do this in isolation in a quote-unquote quiet time. I can do this alongside my kiddos. And then, you know, I'm also able to invest in them. And it's such a grace that God allows us to learn together in the context of community like that. All right. Four kiddos under eight um, and an active um, blogger, an active podcaster, an active author, um, a wife, a mother, uh, a a person who is engaged in church and community. Um, Maybe speak just for a, a moment to, you know, the, the moms out there who are thinking, I can't, I can't do all that. I'm doing, mm. I'm doing my best to, um, to, do the, to do the one thing, right? So mm. I, I think that there are some times that we look at women who are, I mean, you just, you're just incredibly capable. And I think sometimes we then think, well, I'm supposed to be like that. But Amy Carmichael would say, you're not supposed to be like anybody other than the person God created and called you to be. So can you help us settle into like God's sovereignty in our own life to the place and space that we've been called to inhabit? Oh, absolutely. Uh, You know, and I think we all 
you know, wrestle with looking to the right and to the left and thinking, well, I should be doing this or I should be doing that. You know, even Amy's own story has been such an encouragement to me, as you mentioned, because she set out to do an entirely different thing than what she ended Mm -hmm. up doing. You know, and that's Mm -hmm. the same for me, Carmen. I thought I was going to be overseas doing exactly what Amy was doing. And that's why I loved Amy Carmichael. You know, I wanted to go and share the gospel with the unreached in a particular place and context. And then the Lord, you know, plopped me right in the heart of the U.S. to be a military spouse. So it's just been a really interesting journey. And everybody is on their own respective journey with their own respective struggles. And so my encouragement is very simple, just to walk in um, humility and faith and trust with whatever the Lord set before you today. It's really that simple. And I promise I get all worked up about what, you know, what am I going to be doing with this out of the other, you know, six months or a year from now. And I just have to go back to, okay, Lord, what is it that you have called me to today? Because we are not promised tomorrow. Each day has enough trouble for its own. (laughs) So I am with all of the ladies out there that are just struggling to keep your eyes on the Lord. Um, And that's my, that's my primary encouragement. Just keep looking to him and keep walking in faith and trust. This is the wonderful thing about looking at women whether it be women who are in our lives currently or women from church history like Amy Carmichael or even women in the scriptures as we look at their lives, um, just look at God's faithfulness as portrayed in their lives. And remember that His faithfulness uh, will continue in your life. And He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And so really the focus our focus ought to be on him as opposed to um, on one another and the works that, you know, we have quote unquote accomplished because it's all from him through him and to him and he should receive all the glory forever. Mm. Um, So you've, uh, you've shared with us that you're a military spouse. So what branch of the service? Well, we were, he has since, um, you know, separated from the military, but we were in the army for eight years. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for um, your family's service. And um, I don't know, I maybe I'm just kind of glad you have uh, been blessed with a time to settle in and settle down because you have little people. And it seems like, you know, toting them all around would be increasingly challenging. So I'll I'll be thankful to God for this um, settled season as long as it lasts. Thank you. And I have to tell you that, you know, in this settled season, the Lord's brought us to a place where there are a lot of Indian people. And so it really feels like Mm. a full circle moment for me where I had wanted to go to India just like Amy. And we can just we can trust the Lord that he will do its best. Even tomorrow night, we're having a few Indian families over for dessert. So um, it's just such a wonderful thing to see his sovereign care for us in all seasons of life. Okay, well, I'll be looking forward to your reflections on the visit of Prime Minister Modi, who is currently in the United States on a state visit. And, you know, maybe that just gives you a cultural touch point to uh, to you. talk about yes. the need the need for the gospel in India today. Yeah, absolutely. Hey, what a, what a precious, precious thing to meet you. So um, thank you so much for joining us today. Um, maybe maybe God will provide for us to meet again, um, even if it's not at 735 in the morning, since you have four little people <laughs> under eight. Well, thank you so much. It's been a joy. What a joy. What a joy. That's Hunter Belis. You can find her at Hunter Belis, B-E-L-E-S-S dot com. The book is Amy Carmichael, The Brown-Eyed Girl Who Learned How to Pray. We've got copies to give away. Text the word book to 877-933-2484. We'll be right back.
All right, are you like me that you feel like every single day we meet people um, here who we just want to be friends with and we want to sit down and talk with and cultivate a relationship with? Like, I don't know. I just feel like every day for the last several days, I've I've had people that I've been like, okay, is it appropriate or inappropriate for me to just say, would you come back on? Would you talk with us again? Like, you're so fun, and um, and I just I'm. Maybe I just have this like overwhelming gratitude to God that not only does he have so many good people, but that he um, uses this medium to connect us with one another. And I just I'm feeling very grateful for that today. Very, very grateful. So who have you met here? Whose story have you heard here? Um, What inspiration have you received here that you've thought to yourself? I'm just so grateful to God for that, for that moment, for that insight, for that um, nudge. Um, and then just lift up Faith Radio in your prayers. We would, um, we always appreciate that. God is using us and we want to be used more and more. So thanks for your prayers today. Have a great weekend and God bless. Thanks for listening to Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Podcasts like this are available because of your support. If it's important to you to hear things that encourage your faith, click the link in the show notes to give now. And thanks.